Welcome to the Quality Meet Scotland podcast. Industry updates and best practice to promote, support, develop and protect the Scottish red meat sector. Hello and thank you very much for choosing to listen to this QMS podcast. I'm Mark Stephen. Last week we were speaking about neonatal survival and the question of how much colostrum to give a calf came up. Now, most farmers surveyed say they gave about a litre or a litre and a half, but the recommended amount is actually four litres. Now, just think about that. We feed colostrum as an important source of nutrients. It helps get the gut up and running properly. It helps a young animal fight disease. But most people seem to be doing the right thing for the right reasons, but in the wrong amount. What we feed our animals is central to their health and well-being. So how do we go about getting the right ration for our stock? One handy tool is something called metabolic profiling, and that's what we're going to be discussing in this edition. Jill Hunter is a beef and sheep nutritionist for the animal feed manufacturer Harborough. She grew up on an upland farm with suckler cows and breeding ewes. She has a BSc in Applied Animal Science from SAC in Edinburgh. Ed Hill is a vet and a director of Thrums Veterinary Group. He has a particular interest in sheep health and helps run the family farm in Glen Isla. Good morning to you both. Good morning. Thank you very much both for agreeing to do this. Jill, I'm going to start with you. What might seem to be a very obvious question, but it's good to get it out of the way. Why is getting the correct feed important? It's a really good question, Mark. And I think actually sometimes we do make nutrition perhaps a little bit more complicated than it than it needs to be. Really simply, all we're trying to do is make sure that we're meeting energy, protein, and I guess the trace element requirements really quite simple, straightforward, and sometimes we might just miss the mark. How do you go about formulating a ration? There's a few things I guess we need to know before we formulate a ration, things like which group of animals are we starting with, what's their weight, and most importantly, what's their body condition. Um, we Then we need to look at the stage of production, so how far off lamin or calvin are we, or are we trying to finish animals? What is it we're actually trying to achieve? If it is for user cows which are carrying young, we need to know how many they are carrying, and then what feeds have we got available to us? What's their costs? Making sure that our rations are cost effective. And if we're using forage in those rations, how much stock's available? And do we have an analysis for them? Yeah, you know, basically, you need to know what's in the feedstuffs as well. Absolutely. Yeah, that's right. Ed, when we talk about metabolic profiling, let's take it back a stage. When we talk about metabolism, what are we actually talking about? So the animal's metabolism is all the bodily functions that allow the animal to convert the nutrients, the ration that's being provided into energy, into colostrum and and all the functions that's important for health and production. So metabolic profiling does what? Presumably gives you an overall picture of that? Metabolic profiling is taking a blood sample from a representative group of animals and just asking them how they're responding to the diet that's being provided and is what's being put in front of them meeting the needs for that stage of production and typically we're talking about doing it pre-lambing or pre-calving as that's the most sort of metabolically critical stage of production for them. And can animals in the same herd or flock have, have wildly different profiles? Sure. Yeah, it'll depend on what's what's being given to them. But classically, a, a sheep that's carrying a single lamb will have a massively different metabolic requirement from a sheep that's carrying three lambs. And equally, a fat sheep or a a thin sheep or a fat cow and a thin cow will have will have different requirements. When's the best time to test it? So the best time to do a test really is is a compromise between making sure that these animals are under metabolic stress as they come up to lambing and calving, but not leaving it too late that there's not enough time to make appropriate changes if they're required. 
so we tend to say within the month, pre-lambing, pre-calving. But if we're being pinpoint accurate, I, I like to, to aim for three weeks pre-lambing or calving. When you run a metabolic profile, Ed, what is it actually showing up? What are you testing for? So when we do a metabolic profile, we're looking at a few different things. But broadly speaking, we're looking to see the energy status of the animal, how much protein has been provided over both a long term and a short term. In cattle, we then look at things like mineral status, so particularly magnesium and phosphorus. And then I guess we also have the, the option, if we'd like, to check in on the trace element status as well. So things like copper, cobalt, selenium and iodine. How do you take that information, Jill, and actually convert it into a ration? It's always important that we, we know that information for a start. So any of our nutrition is based on good, solid evidence. So once Ed or any vet has that information back to us, it's understanding actually what stage of production those animals are at and what are their requirements and how are they actually dealing with that. It's all very well as sitting with a computer in front of us and coming up with a ration. Actually, if those ewes or those cows aren't getting the energy out of the, the ration that we provided, then we're not good doing a good enough job. So we take that information and we make sure that our energy requirements are being met. If they're not, then we can tweak the ration. Now, there's lots of different things, I guess, Mark, which can affect that that you or that cow's ability to get the energy out of our feed. And um, one of the most important things, I guess, is the space um, that that rumen has inside the animal. So if you think about 70% of the, the fetus and fluid growth happens in the last six weeks in sheep and in the last nine weeks in cattle, you're greatly restricting the size of the, the rumen that the animal can actually how much feed can she take in? So the closer we get to calving or lambing, we perhaps need to think about supplementing additional feed or making sure that our forage is, is really good quality. Presumably this isn't just one snapshot in time, Ed. I mean, it, it, yeah, you can take the metabolic profile in before calving or lambing, but you'd need to keep an eye on this throughout the period because I, I would imagine the requirements of the animal are going to change in time. The requirements of the animal is always changing depending on their, their stage of production. And I think when we think about keeping things steady and keeping an eye on things throughout the year, the key factor there is actually the body condition score of the animal and keeping that as level as, as possible. But really, if, we, if we're referring to metabolic profiling, that really only comes into use when that animal is likely to be becoming metabolically stressed in the month leading up to lambing or calving. The other time that it potentially can be useful in cattle is is a few weeks post-calving. We know that an animal, a cow that is losing body condition score post-calving is going to take longer to get back in calf. So actually having a quick snapshot post-calving might not be a bad idea as well. And does the nutritional content of feed change over time as well, Joe? Yes, very much so, especially if we're feeding a high proportion of forage into a diet. As you can imagine, that the forage, the silage, the hay, the haylage, which has been provided to animals can change because it's been different fields, it's been taken on different days, and the weather's been, been different. So it's really important that we do take an analysis of, of forages before we make a ration, before we put a ration together. And there's a few things that we should really look at when we do have a forage analysis. I think sometimes we can be inclined to take a silage analysis just for the sake of it. And so if I could really say anything here, it would be only take a sample and send it away if you're actually going to make some changes following the results. But I guess a few things that I would point out that we should look for on a forage analysis would be dry matter, first of all, to understand 
actually just how much the animals are going to need to eat to meet their requirements. I think it's always good to have an idea of the crude protein, just a, a little check so that you know uh, what you're dealing with. Metabolizable energy then tells us how many megajoules per kilogram of dry matter is in that feed so we can check that we're going to meet energy requirements. And probably the most important part actually is the D value on your silage analysis. This tells you really how digestible the forage is. So for suckler cows, I would be looking for something that's over 65. And really for used pre-lambing, we should really be targeting anything over 70%. That is, is quite a challenge, especially in some of the areas that we would work in. But if we're getting our silage over 70%, actually we can drive forage intake pre-lambing. Anything less than 65% for suckler cows or 70% for in-lamb use, we would look to replace some of the forage with concentrated feed. And when you've got that information, Jill, you know, you, you, you're looking at it from the nutrition side. You, you, what you're trying to do essentially here is balance an equation. That's right. We are, Mark. And it's really good to have some facts to base our rationing on, because quite often we're just working with what the ewes look like, what the cows look like and what we think the requirements are. But using the metabolic profile actually shows us what we're dealing with and whether we need to tweak things up or down or leave it as it is. I'm still trying to get my head around the practicalities of this, Ed, because... What you described earlier of taking you know, metabolic profiles, that gives you a sort of mean across the flock or the herd, if I've understood that correctly. Presumably, you then have to ration for the flock and the herd. You can't, you, you, nobody could do it on an individual basis, or can they? Uh, you, you could do it on an individual basis, but on a cost base, that very quickly runs out of hand. So we have to find a balance that's, that's practical and cost-effective. And so the, the balance there is really to look at half a dozen animals per management group, if you like. So that might be half a dozen twin carrying sheep, half a dozen triplet carrying sheep, half a dozen heifers, half a dozen adult cows, something like that strikes a, a balance between getting enough information about the flock or herd, but not spending too much money. And that then gives you a good idea of what's going on across those groups, though whilst I appreciate it doesn't give you individual information about every animal in the flock or herd. In the old days, before metabolic profiling, how did farmers detect deficiencies? How, how did you do it old school? I think, unfortunately, the, the old school way was, was to deal with a problem once it had arisen. So often as a, as a vet, you would get called into an outbreak of twin lamb disease or perhaps an outbreak of scours and calves that were the result of poor quality colostrum. So yeah, the old school way, unfortunately, was was firefighting and, and dealing with a problem once it was already started, whereas metabolic profiling takes the, the proactive approach and can identify these issues and correct them before they before they actually become an apparent issue on farm with, with disease and, and loss of animals. Do you tend to get annual trends with this? I mean, is, is, are there particular things that throw up year on year or do they differ from year to year? It, it's often very farm specific. But there will be years where forage quality has been poor as a general trend, um, and therefore we might see trends in in energy being compromised where poor quality forage has been made. And in your experience, Jill, how widely used is it at the moment? We would see an increasing number of customers who would use metabolic profiling. And this year, I would be encouraging customers as well to, to use that, especially as users are very fit. Um, so there would be a greater risk of thin lamb disease. Ed, how expensive is it to do this? I think it will vary a little bit practice to practice, but to give you a rough idea, we, on the sheep side of things, we put together a package 
that includes your vet time, the consumables and lab fees that comes out at, I think it's about 100, 120 pounds per profile. So that's six animals in that profile and that's all inclusive. I think on the cattle side of things, you're looking at something like 30, 35 pounds per cow for the for the lab fees and then your vet will probably charge vet time on top of that. The reason I guess that the cattle is more expensive is that the cattle profile does look at more parameters, whereas sheep, we look at basic energy provision and long-term and short-term protein provision. The cattle will look in, in slightly more depth at those things, as well as looking at some of the mineral balances as well. I appreciate its its cost. The, the way things are, really, we only need to be saving a lamb or two, or indeed a calf, to make that worthwhile and, and quite often you can find these things in doing these profiles that will offset incoming issues and make those make those savings. Can you give me an example of this being used profitably? Sure. Thinking back to a sheep flock last year, we went and did a metabolic profile as per routine, sort of three weeks pre-lambing. Um, user all in, in good body condition and the energy profiles across the flock were looking really good. Some of the longer term protein profiles were looking good, but quite to our surprise, the short term protein provision was looking incredibly poor. And the knock on effect of that potentially would have been very poor quality colostrum and potentially lots of issues like watery mouths, joint ills, navel ills, that kind of thing. So we were able to pick up that short term protein provision deficit in plenty of time. And in, in conjunction with the nutritionist, provide, I think it was sort of rapeseed meal that was added in so no extra requirement for extra energy but yeah increase the protein and as a consequence we didn't see any major issues of, of lambs in that flock at the point of lambing whereas i think we probably could have done if if we hadn't picked it up well, that's good to hear this is more of a generic question than anything else jill but i mean 40 years ago you know when i was involved in farming it was kind of muck and magic there seems nowadays to be an awful lot of science in this. It, it's, it's getting cleverer, if I, if I can put it that way. Is that the way forward? Absolutely. And uh, it's very much something that we are heavily involved in is the, the science and, and, I guess, innovation behind nutrition. There's no point, as you say, on, on resting on, on muck and magic. We need to make sure that everything that we're doing is based on, on science. And um, there was a really good uh, professor, John Robinson, from the Rowett Research Institute in Aberdeen, who did a lot of the very initial work to do with protein requirements and use. And he was really fundamental in training the, the team at Harborough and making sure, yeah, that all of that science is then filtered through to, to the people that matter, to the farmers. Now, it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see how it actually develops. Uh, Jill Hunter, thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Mark. And Ed, been nice speaking to you too. Thanks for coming on this podcast again. No problem. Thank you very much for having me. Jill Hunter there, beef and sheep nutritionist for the animal feed manufacturer Harbro, and Ed Hill from the Thrums Veterinary Group. I hope you found this useful. If you're new to this QMS podcast, we've been doing them now for nigh on two years, so there is a considerable back catalogue of episodes that may be of interest. It might be worth taking a look. Until the next one, I'm Mark Stephen. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Quality Meat Scotland podcast. For news and to listen back to previous episodes of the podcast, visit qmscotland.co.uk. For Scotch beef, Scotch lamb and specially selected pork recipe videos and inspiration, visit 
scotchkitchen.com or follow Scotch Kitchen on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter. <laughs>